Hello, Bill. Good morning, Matt. Welcome to the DMZ, everybody. Wednesday, last day of January. Um, are you feeling a little better this week than last week? You're a little down last week after uh, New Hampshire. Yes. Yes, I was. Uh, I guess I'm at the acceptance stage. Um, and I'm looking for silver lining. So I am, even though I've I've given up hope, you know, for Nikki Haley, um, I am enjoying what she's doing. I'm enjoying the trolling. And uh, those who are regular viewers will know I was also uh, a couple weeks ago, in addition, in addition to me being kind of upset about the anticlimactic nature of, of Iowa and New Hampshire. I was also mad at the playoffs, the NFL mm -hmm. playoffs, and uh, they turned out to be great this weekend. So I've been distracted by the bread and circuses, the pizza and the football. Uh, so I am in better spirits, Bill. Are you, are you a Commanders fan or a Ravens fan? I am neither. So I, I, was, a, I was a Redskins fan for four decades. I was a, a diehard Redskins fan. Um, and then, you know, about five years, and, and by the way, I, I cannot tell you the amount of time, Sunday afternoons that I wasted watching the Redskins. Uh, and of course, Dan Snyder, until very recently, was their owner for, for many decades, and he was horrible went out of his way to lose. And I would, you know, if the Redskins would lose and I would be grumpy, my wife could tell if, if they had won or lost. And uh, ever since I gave that up, now I am, I'm sort of like Susan Sarandon and Bull Durham, you know, like <laughs> I pick a player every season. Uh, I, I tend to pick a player or a team or two to kind of root for. And then if they don't make the playoffs, I pick a team I'm going to root for in the playoffs um, and it's, you're able to enjoy, I, I can enjoy the game more without being, I'm not so emotionally tied to it. And so I, I, I forgive me for not mentioning this earlier. So there's, there's a time you boycott the NFL, right, Matt? I mean, there, you, you had, you had sworn it off. I don't, I don't know how heated my rhetoric became at a certain point, you know, the CTE thing was big. You had the Colin Kaepernick kneeling thing happening, right? And then compounding it all, you had me just having been fed up with with decades and decades of Redskins not just losing, but like bilking the fan base, trying to lose. Um, but, but you you were mad that the NFL was getting too political. Yes, getting involved in culture wars with the Colin Kaepernick thing. I think that uh, was certainly. I, I would. I'll cop to that being part of it. Uh, the Redskin name change, I'm not happy about either. Um, so there's a whole bunch of things. But um, ultimately, and I, I, ultimately, what I did was I gave up the Redskins, and that solved all my problems. <laughs> I started rooting for Tom Brady because uh, he's old, and I'm old. Or, you know, Well, I, I'm certainly old for football. Right. Um, and, and Tom Brady was certainly old for football. And uh, so I started kind of rooting for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And that pulled me through. And then also the political stuff, I will say it subsided. I mean, until this, we'll talk in a bit about. Uh, well, that's right, that's right. I'm sort of moving us in that direction. Yeah, we can we can start there if you want. But sure. Um, but I will say that uh, I, I think I, I have not seen any kneeling during the national anthem in a long time. And I think that, uh, that football, by and large, moved past the sort of woke uh, activist thing. So, well, except now you have 
the far right, you know, losing their minds because uh, it's somehow evidence of a conspiracy that Taylor Swift is dating a football player. This must mean that the NFL is coordinating with the White House to rig the election. When I mean, if you're going to do that, you would have Taylor Swift date someone on the, on the Detroit Lions and endorse Biden in Michigan, a state that matters, not date someone from Missouri, which is a, a foregone red state. But be that as it may, why do you think Matt Lewis has said, hey, the NFL is not being super woke anymore. I can watch games again. But everyone else in the Ferrari thinks they're as woke as ever. Um, so I wouldn't say it's ever on the far right. I'm not on the far right. Yeah, the far right. So I, I think it's a combination of factors, Bill. I'll go through them real quick. One, these people are crazy. They're conspiratorial and they're paranoid. Two, they are. And I think they're right about this. They get culture, that culture matters, that, that politics is downstream from culture. Three, I think they're in it for clicks um, and, and YouTube views. And clearly, look, if you combine politics with the NFL with Taylor Swift, uh, then then you will get clicks. Uh, let's hope it happens here for us, Bill, on our, you know, go to YouTube.com slash Matt Lewis. You can watch us. Um, I think also uh, there's some weird misogyny at play um, uh, and a resentment of, of Taylor Swift. Maybe some of these uh, keyboard warriors are sort of in the incel camp, the involuntary celibate camp. Um, some of them don't like her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey because he did those advertisements um, saying get vaccinated for this Pfizer advertisements. Um, and then it is true that Taylor Swift did support Joe Biden. And I think she actually does pose a, not a, I'm, put aside the crazy conspiratorial paranoid stuff about the deep state somehow building, you know, this career. She's been, by the way, Taylor Swift has been famous since 2006. So this is obviously a long a long con <laughs> that the deep state has been involved with. And and, 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 the, and the Kansas City Chiefs, this is they've been in four of the last five Super Bowls. So the fact that the NFL is somehow rigging games to help. Anyway, that's insane. But it's not insane to say that Taylor Swift poses a threat to Joe Biden. She does. She put out in 2020, Taylor Swift posted one Instagram uh, post that generated 35,000 people to register to vote. So uh, Joe Biden is courting her actively to endorse him again. I think she will do it. And I do think she can drive, especially young women who are maybe have weren't even eligible to vote last time to, to register and turn out. So uh, they're crazy, but they're not entirely crazy. Um, do you think... The NFL, I mean, they haven't done something that's gotten them in the same level of hot water with the right, like the Bud Light campaign with Dylan Mulvaney. Um, but has the NFL shed some of its uh, more conservative identifiers and be, become more appealing to a broader swath of America. I mean, you remember Rush Limbaugh used to talk about how the NFL was going to become, you know, feminized by the left. Yeah. Um, do you think the NFL has done that to a degree and that is unnerving more uh, conservative strains of the country? 
So look, I mean, it's clear the NFL wants everyone to watch them. And I think it's good for the NFL that Taylor Swift is going to bring in a probably a demographic that otherwise might not watch the NFL are going to tune in uh, because of Taylor Swift. And that's good. And, you know, they do this breast cancer awareness thing where they wear the pink cleats and stuff like that. Um, I I don't have a problem at all with that. I do think that there a few years ago they were in danger of of kind of crossing over and 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 losing their fan base. Dude, viewership is way up. The ratings are way up. All those people and I don't know if I ever completely wrote off the NFL or not. I don't remember, but if I did, I'm back. And so is everyone else. Uh, the ratings are through the roof. And let me just say this: I don't so. Colin Kaepernick was, you know, an African-American player with an Afro who refused to to like stand up for the national anthem. He, he chose to kneel at, at a protest. Travis Kelsey <laughs> is a white dude who uh, plays in Kansas City. His brother, Jason Kelsey. Did you see him the other week, Bill? Did you see this video? So Jason Kelsey looks like the kind of guy you would see drinking a Paps Blue Ribbon. He, by the way, so so Jason Travis Kelsey is the tight end for the for the Chiefs. His brother Jason Kelsey is the center for the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles. And Jason Kelsey was at his brother's game in Buffalo a couple weeks ago. He got blitzed. He drank thirty beers. He went out shirtless. Like dancing around, this guy looks like he should be like in the WWF or, you know, or like at a roadhouse drinking Pabst Blue Ribbon. Like this guy does not look like a pajama, a woke pajama boy, lot, you know, soy latte drinker. This guy is like quintessential redneck American. So good luck trying to otherize uh, the Kelsey's. It's just ain't that dog won't hunt. Well, does it does it unnerve them that someone like Travis Kelsey is pushing vaccines. Yes, uh, that, who, that I think is who is, who isn't someone you can caricature as a far left egghead. I think that says a lot more. I think you're totally right. And look, you know, some of these guys in the far right, you know, weird, uh, you know, world, they're obsessed with masculinity. And yet the Kelsey brothers are pretty manly. I would <laughs> I would venture to say could probably bench more than a lot of these keyboard warriors. So there, there may be some aspect of, of, of envy, um, of a sense that, you know, Taylor Swift used to be a country singer. She's our domain. <laughs> Football's our turf. And uh, I think there's a lot of paranoia. And I'll say this, too. If Taylor Swift posed a threat to them before they started attacking her, now she really poses a threat. <laughs> Think of all of these Swifties out there. Millions and millions of, and by the way, polling shows that Taylor Swift's net approval rating is the highest of any human being in America. <laughs> she, she is the real deal here. Well, if there's one area where right-wing paranoia about cultural change is at least by some metrics working for them it's immigration um we still have this on ongoing border influx 
It's still putting a lot of strain on municipal budgets uh, in, var- in, in various cities. Uh, Biden's approval on immigration is rock bottom. Uh, and Republicans have decided, well, House Republicans have, uh, have seemingly decided to do two things. One, shun this emerging border deal from the Senate uh, and impeach the Homeland Security Secretary uh, Mayorkas. I mean, that's only the impeachment has happened at the committee level. We still don't know for sure if we'll have the votes for the full House. Uh, but uh, I I mean, I certainly understand why they want to go this bombastic route, but I don't think it's a slam dunk for them politically, but I'm curious what your gut reaction is. Um, I, I think this fits in, I think this fits nicely in with the Taylor Swift NFL story. Uh, this is not a smart political move. You know, put put aside how you feel about the issue. Um, Republicans have essentially admitted that they are killing this bipartisan plan to fund Ukraine and do enhanced border security strictly for political reasons, because they do not want to give Joe Biden a victory. Um, I also think that the impeachment of Mayorkas is, um, you know, it, 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 maybe it'll make them feel good, but at best it's pointless. It may, it may hurt them. It may hurt Republicans. My guess is it's just a pointless exercise. Um, but generally speaking, this, uh, this is not great for most Republicans and certainly not for the Republican brand. I'm surprised, though, that there's not even more backlash uh, against, again, just how utterly transparent it is. They're even well, it's early. It's early. We, we don't know is yet it? how it's going to going to play. I mean, this is where I think to the degree Democrats have opportunity here. I think is dependent on how far Senate Republicans are willing to go. Um, you know, one of the reasons why the immigration issue has had such staying power as a media narrative is that Democratic mayors are echoing what Republicans are saying. And so you have Democrat and Democratic conflict that that sort of validates the narrative uh, that there's a real problem here. You've started to see Senate Republicans openly say that the only reason the House is resisting this deal is for crass political reasons to help Trump and not let give give Biden a win instead of trying yeah. to make good policy in a crisis. Uh, now, that's only been for the last few days that we've heard that. Uh, if And James Lankford, by the way, who, who said that essentially on a Sunday show, um, was censured. But he, what, what, I'm, I'm a little confused about this. Oklahoma Republican Party. Was the censure, I, I know that there was a censure that took place that was pushed, by, I believe, by the vice chair of the Oklahoma Republican Party. And then I saw that the chair said this was an illegitimate meeting and this vote doesn't count. But then I wasn't clear if they reconvened legitimately and did a censure again or if that was the inner, because like I'm just getting headlines in my feed. Like I don't know the chronology of it. Uh, so I'm a little confused where that landed. Uh, I don't know the details. Um, Bill, I will say 
going back to whether this will matter or not, we we've we know about the big lie, right? And the whole concept of the big lie is is if you tell a lie that's so don't tell little lies. If you tell a lie that's so big and grandiose, people will think you would have never had the audacity to tell a, a lie that big. What we're having now is the big truth. Admit to something that's truthful, <laughs> but it's still so grandiose <laughs> that people won't believe it. Well, if, because you have a decent amount of Senate Republicans who want to do this deal, or at least initially want to do this deal. We, I, we don't have hard counts. We know that, you know, people like James Lankford, the Oklahoma senator, who's hardly a squishy moderate. This is a pretty hardcore conservative. Um, never been in the middle of a compromise like this before. Um, I, be, I believe he and also Tom Tillis, um, the Republican from North Carolina, have said, we're not going to do this if it's just the bare minimum of nine Republicans joining 51 Democrats. We need like 2025, nearly half the Republican caucus to do this. Um, so I, we don't know yet if they have numbers of that, of that size, but they've had McConnell uh, they've had Lindsey Graham. Uh, you know, they, have, they have Langford, you know, the people that go beyond the Romneys and the Murkowskis. Uh, so, but for some reason, they've been slow to translate the framework into text. And without the text, they can't really go forward yeah. and say, okay, we, we, have, we, we can do a headcount here. I think we're getting, because, we're getting close. I saw like a framework. It's not a bill well, we, We've been on framework mode for several days now. Um, so the question is, are they willing to pull the trigger on it and actually bring it to the floor? Because if they bring it to the floor, it's going to pass. They'll, they'll get at least 60 and, pro and probably considerably more if they bring it to the floor, I believe. Uh and then if it's actually passed legislation with a good number of genuine conservative Trump supporting Republicans on board, I think that changes the narrative in a big way. I mean, right now the narrative is Trump is telling Johnson, don't do this. Yeah. And Johnson's saluting. Uh, if I, you're now cross pressured. I think, gets, I think Trump gets what he wants. And, and this is where you and I disagree. Now, well, I'm not, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not firm about this. Yeah, I think yeah, I'm not firm think, either. But, but I will say this because I praised you recently for your electoral uh, predictions, which I think were better than mine. <laughs> um, certainly better than mine. And recent, you know, in recent days, recent weeks, um, we have not. I, I think maybe some of these discussions may have been offline, so I may not have the videotape to go to. But I, I would venture to say. You believe it's more likely than not that a bill will pass funding Ukraine and, and the, that this border thing will pass. And I am I am more skeptical than you on that. Well, I certainly you know, I, I did a BBC interview a couple weeks ago. Where I was asked this question point blank and I, and I, and I said, I'm optimistic they'll do this deal. Um, I just wrote a piece yesterday for The Washington Monthly Newsletter saying, here's how a border deal happens. I didn't put odds on it. Um, I like, if, I, if I was to put probability percentages, like my probability percentage is declining over time. Every okay. day we delay and every day that Johnson digs in his heels and the Senate hesitates on going forward with the actual bill, you know, my confidence declines. Uh, but I think the way that it does happen, the, the, I think these three things have to happen. 
the Senate actually has to put the bill on the floor. They can't bury it and say, forget it. So they got to do it. They got to get a good vote. And they got to have Trump's Republicans like Lindsey Graham saying, this is a genuine good deal. This is not some kind of sellout to Joe Biden. Um, and by the way, for those, just to be clear, this not only is this not a sellout, the border part was added as an enticement to get Republicans to support funding Ukraine, right? right. Which is insane in and of its own right. Republicans should want to fund Ukraine and fix the border, secure the border. But because they don't want to support Ukraine, the Democrats, the giveaway is the border. And now Republicans are framing that as a left-wing progressive. Let's go, let's call it maybe a a deep state conspiracy theory, Bill. I think a majority of House Republicans want to fund Ukraine. May not be a big majority of Republicans, but I think a majority of Republicans want to fund Ukraine. Uh, so for some people, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Ukraine is the poison pill. But I don't think that's the case for most House Republicans, even if they may not be super vocal about it. Uh, I think the bigger overriding thing is that Trump told us not to do this. And we don't want to get crossways with Trump. Like that's the bigger, I mean, and, and, and Trump is really motivated by not wanting to fund Ukraine and not wanting to have a board deal happen that he did not originate. Has like, it, it ever happened where Trump really wanted something, really wanted the Republicans to do something or not do something, and they defied him? Well, yes, they, well, they have actually. They they kept the, they they didn't do shutdown. They didn't do the debt limit. They did the debt limit deal. Did um, he though? But but did how? I don't know. I know he expressed a preference. But did he, was he hardcore like pressuring them not? See, here, here's, here's, here's the thing. This affects his, re, he, he believes that giving Joe Biden a win affects Donald Trump and Donald Trump's reelection. And that's why I think it won't happen. Well, I do, I do think immigration, I mean, immigration is the animating principle of Donald Trump. A- immigration is the it's becoming the issue that defines the Republican Party. I mean, in a way that it wasn't true in, in Reagan. I mean, Reagan was pro-immigration overtly, yeah. uh, uh, and uh, but but even then, it, it wasn't what defined Reagan's Republican Party. Uh, I mean, Donald Trump came down the escalator in June 2015 and said the bringing in rapists, like that was the and we're going to build the wall. Mexico's going to pay for it. That's how he began his presidential campaign, and he has never let go of that. So I, I don't know to what extent he pressured people on debt limit deal and other and stuff like that. Um, uh, I believe he was against the infrastructure bill, if I, if I recall. Um, but sure, he's going to lean into immigration much harder than any of these things because it is, it is his issue. But I also uh, think it's because it der- other things he may not like philosophically, um, but this issue, he believes, directly could help Joe Biden defeat him in the general election. And so it's about him. Sure. All about him. I 100% agree with that. Um, so, yes, to defy him on, the, on this requires a lot of moxie. Uh, now, the cross pressure that could happen is if the Senate actually passes it. Which I think only would happen with considerable Republican support, not unanimous, but considerable. Uh, 
and you have people like Lindsey Graham saying this is a good deal. This has tr- these is policies that Trump will want to have in his arsenal when he's president. This is Biden caving to us. I mean, they're they're not going to help Biden in their messaging for it. They're going to want to say it's good for Republicans. Um, and you would have national security minor Republicans saying we need this to stop Putin. And if you bury this, you are helping Putin take over Ukraine. That will be on your shoulders for all of of eternity. Uh, And you will probably have the majority maker house Republicans, the ones in the Biden districts and the swing districts saying, you want to keep this house majority? You need us to do it. And we need to vote for this bill. We need to show that we are getting things done and working across the aisle. uh, And you are going to wreck this House majority if you bury this. You're forcing me to impeach Mayorkas, which is transparently political, and actually tank something that's going to help us on the border. Uh, So I think a lot of things have to come together. And, and, And so on top of all of that, I think... Deep down, Mike Johnson has to actually want to do it on the merits. He has to actually want to fund Ukraine. He said in October, we can't let Putin win. Does he mean that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he's an untested uh, commodity in way over his head. And if you tell me I think he's going to cave to Donald Trump, that's a very plausible argument. I'm not saying I have like great reason to be confident that Mike Johnson is going to stand up to him. But if deep down he's like, you know what, I just can't be the guy. They'll let Putin take over Ukraine. Can't do it. Um, I, I don't want that to go on my epitaph. Uh, but I, I can't know it's in his head. Yeah, I would bet on cowardice. <laughs> I would bet. Uh, uh, if history is a predictor of this of these Republicans, um, bet that they will cave to Trump. That's the smart bet. I I, I can't I, I can't easily argue with that. Um, <laughs> It's like, you know, uh, uh, betting against an Israeli-Palestinian peace deal. You're going to probably win that bet. We have lots of history to, to back that up. Well, and we uh, also know that Johnson, even though it seems like a nice, mild-mannered guy, I think if he was Speaker of the House during the George W. Bush administration, he would he would be perfectly fine, kind of social conservative. But he did go all in for Donald Trump once already um, when he was involved in um, that uh, effort to overturn the election in some states, right? But he but he voted he voted for McCarthy's debt limit deal. He has kept the government open so far. We've we, this is, was the first presidency with no shutdowns since George W. Bush uh, so far, because Johnson has done the same things that McCarthy was doing. He's now moving forward on this bipartisan uh, tax deal, doing an end run around the House Rules Committee. So just for, to get into the weeds a little bit here, typically speaking, uh, you have to vote for a rule that sets the parameters of debate for the bill you're going to consider. Uh, and traditionally, the rules vote is a partisan vote. Uh, the majority votes for the rule. The minority votes against the rule. But you know, ma- but majority rules in the House. It's not. It doesn't have a supermajority uh, element sort of baked in the way the Senate does with filibusters. Uh, but you're seeing these. Freedom Caucus Republicans who who got on the Rules Committee as part of the deal for McCarthy to get the gavel, they've been threatening rule votes more regularly, which is like essentially a quasi-filibuster. Uh, and the way to go around the Rules Committee is to put a bill on the floor, 
under suspension of the rules, which requires a two-thirds vote. So that's sort of that's sort of like how do you get around a filibuster with a sixty-vote majority? This is how you get around uh, a rule. Uh, and uh, this is going to the floor today. This tax deal under suspending the rules. So Johnson has been, you know, elbowing the far right on these other things. And I grant you, it's not immigration. Uh, It's not at the same level of intensity of Trump's ire that the immigration bill, the the border bill would be. Um, But he has shown some capacity, uh, Mike Johnson, to put the Freedom Caucus, kick him to the curb to do some basic government functioning. So that's the only reason why I say I think the jury's out here. And it's at least one other thing, one other thing. So the thing that Johnson is hanging his hat on to reject the border deal is this notion that it's going to allow 5,000 undocumented migrants a day before these harsh crackdown measures kick in. Why should we allow 5,000 a day? The number should be zero. That's his talking point. James Langford has already said, this is a bogus talking point. Uh, so we, we haven't seen text, but what the understanding is, is you have to reach an average of 5,000 border crossings a day uh, on a seven-day rolling average before the measures kick in. We've been blowing past that threshold for years. Uh, so it's not like you have to like wait around for if we hit 5,000. Like you will hit that in seven days and the measures kick in. Uh, so, uh, and so Langford's trying to say this is not like standing by the board of the clicker, like trying to keep it at 4999. Like we're just going to get to the measures. Uh, this is a solvable problem. If Mike Johnson is willing to have it be solved, you yeah. could lower that threshold. You could have no threshold. But remember, um, I'm old enough to remember the Marco phone being right, what, right. what And for, for those who don't remember, um, when Republicans led by Marco Rubio were trying to do immigration reform, yeah, uh, there was a big Breitbart story saying that Rubio had put in legislation or snuck it into this bill that would give a free cell phone to every illegal immigrant. Well, it turned out what it really was, was there are people who live, American citizens who live on the border and desolate areas. And the government was going to give them a satellite phone so they could report border crossings (laughs) if they witnessed it. That is what became the Marco phone, which helped doom so they don't even need, they could just make something up. Well, so do, they don't do even you, need viable arguments. Absolutely. And if you don't want to do it, you can let that misinformation carry the day and use it as your excuse. Yeah. Uh, and you know, Ruber himself, you know, for a time, Ruber was like, this is misinformation. Let me give you the facts. And then he caved himself and said, hey, don't even don't even bring it to the House floor. My, my bill, it's a terrible bill. Don't do it. Um and John Boehner, you know, spiked the whole thing and never, never got a vote. So we've seen this play before. It could totally happen again. Uh, but it also could be that Langford and his negotiating partners could say, you know, just screw this 5,000 thing. Make it 1,000. Make it zero. Yeah, why and not? say this powers the president has for five years. And at sunset, so we can revisit it in five years. There are ways 
to address the particular complaint that Mike Johnson is making. And so he could say, Mike Johnson could say, hey, I fixed this. I had a problem with this and I fixed it. If he wants to, he has to want to. Oh, that that, be, that's what we don't that know. That will be an example that Mike Johnson has uh, done something else nefarious with the deep state to try to screw us. Bill, um, before we call it a day, uh, we did not prep on this, but I, I want to gauge you here on the Veep stakes. Donald Trump likely to yeah. be the nominee. Uh, he could pick Nikki Haley as his running. No. He could pick, he could pick <laughs> no, Tim he Scott. He could pick... Elise Stefanik. He could pick, is it Kristen Nome? Whatever. Christy Nome. Christy Nome. Uh, those are my top, I don't know, names that come to my head. Uh, if you had to, you know, just put down a marker today. I'll tell you mine. But first, who do you think you, you who would you <laughs> bet on if you had to? Now, I have a very hard time with this because you normally you engage in this kind of speculation because you're thinking about what's going to make the most electoral sense? Are, are you going to help with the state or help with this constituency? What's going to go for the overall brand? Balance the uh, ticket. Right. Balance ticket, double down, you know. Uh, with tr- now, I mean, and Trump d- d- sort of did that. I mean, you know, Pence didn't bring a state with him, but it was a clear electoral play. I'm soft with evangelicals. And I have, and there are people in the Republican establishment that don't think I'm going to govern uh, responsibly. And Mike Pence will put the Republican establishment folks at ease and help me with evangelicals. So there was a, there was a logic to it. Uh, now we don't quite know what logic Trump's going to bring to this. Is that I want someone who's going to be loyal to me to a fault, so I don't have a, a, a Mike Pence problem on uh, the next time uh, something comes up. Uh, I don't want to have a Jeff Sessions problem or anything like that. Uh, I want someone who's going to, we're here to break all the China, uh, push the envelope in terms of executive power. I need someone who's going to salute me every t- step of the way. Uh, or is he going to say, you know, I could use some help with uh, with women or I could use some help with, with Latinos or people of color. Uh, you know I, who we should pick? Taylor Swift. Um, so I, I, st- I, I don't have a great, I mean, I don't think it's going to go too far in the balancing direction. He's going to want someone who's certainly pretty loyal. Um, uh, but does Tim Scott, you know, fit that category? He ran against them marginally and has saluted ever since. And, um, uh, generally speaking, doesn't, uh, undercut folks. I mean, I like this, I think there's a logic to it, but, is Trump going to do something crazier and do a Marjorie Taylor Greene type or a Carrie Lake type? Uh, honestly, it's it's really hard for me to, to fully do a mind melt with him. Can't there. use Carrie Lake because she'll be recording every conversation <laughs> that they have. Uh, I want you to pick. I want you to, you know, maybe it's only a ten percent shot, but you want me to go first? You can go first because I'm I'm stalling for time. I don't know who I want to pick. Okay. My, and we'll revisit this. But my pick today is Elise Stefanik. That's a reasonable pick. Okay. So who do you got? You're going to come back to me next week. I really, I, okay. I, I'm, I'm really, I'm really stuck on. Maybe this. this this is a great reason to tune in next week. <laughs> it's a cliffhanger. We'll start off. We will start off our show with the Veep Stakes. 
Uh, and we'll see if I'm still, you know, maybe, maybe I'll have moved off of, of the Stefanik bandwagon. By here's, where, here's where I'm a little stuck, man. Is he too sexist to pick a woman or is he What's canny enough to pick a woman to have someone to deflect sexism charges? I, I think he could pick. I think he could pick a woman and then proceed to undermine her and humiliate her throughout throughout his term. That's the kind of fella. That's the kind of progressive fella he is. You know, whenever there was a um, cabinet pick, we'd always hear leaks that he would say. This person's had essential casting, or this person wouldn't look good on TV. Um, so, is he going to judge uh, his female choices harshly based on appearance? Is he going to say that any woman wouldn't come across strong enough uh, to be on a ticket with me? Or is he going to say, I want someone to look subservient and having a woman under me look subservient? Like, I. I it's really the, no. It's really the, hard to game out the his depths game. of his depravity. Like it's a whole. Like it's a, this is much more of like a psychological exercise than like a political exercise, yeah. which is really not my forte. All right. so Here's hard another time. option: Donald Trump Jr. Um, I, I, think he, I think he's a sick enough person to do something like that, but I don't know if he has enough respect for his own family to do it. Ivanka Trump. I'm sure that I think, well, apparently he did consider Ivanka at one point in 2020. I don't, think anything, I don't think there's any law that would prohibit you no. from picking a family member. And then you get into a real dynasty. Like mm -hmm. it, it, That's when America goes into a different sort of phase. Uh, no disagreement for me, um, but uh, but you, so you're on the record for Stefanik, and I'm gonna I'm gonna mull right. and uh, come back next week. I reserve the right to change, but as of today, Stefanik is my pick. All, All right, right, my friend. Um, follow us on Twitter at DMZ Show. Support us at Patreon.com/slash Bill Share or Patreon.com/slash Matt Lewis. Uh, rate and review our DMZ show podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and uh, subscribe and like us on youtube.com slash Matt Lewis. Bill share. Always a pleasure. Now you can check out my Washington monthly newsletter, uh, which you can see at washingtonmonthly.com or washingtonmonthly.substack.com and see what I have to say about uh, the last two have been about uh, immigration, how Democrats could turn the tables uh, and how the board uh, could still squeak through. Uh, and I got I got a column to write for tomorrow, so I got to figure that out. Check out my podcast interview with Tom Nichols of the Atlantic, ah, where we talked about Western, a Western Mass native. Yes, we covered some of the same ground, but a little bit different perspective, a little bit different topic. So check that out. Read my piece at the Daily Beast about the Taylor Swift controversy. And we will see you back here in the DMZ next week. Take care.